0: hello my friends this is Nikki thank you for joining me for episode 42 of learning about the Lord today we're going to see how Jesus teaches Judas Iscariot we will be reading from Maria Valtorta volume 1 we see Jesus and Judas once again they are coming out of the temple Judas would like to remain with Jesus but the master objects to his wish Judas he says. I want to be alone at night time. At night, my spirit gets its nourishment from the Father. Prayer, meditation, and solitude are more necessary for me than material food. Who wishes to live for the Spirit and lead others to live the same life must disregard the flesh, nay, I would say kill it, to devote all his attention to the Spirit. Everybody must do that, you know, Judas. You too, if you really want to belong to God, that is, to the supernatural. So here Jesus is saying that we have to make our priority our spiritual life and not give great obsessive attention to our material life to avoid excesses, that's what he's talking about, excessive gluttony, the excess of uh, maybe too much, distraction, uh, too much companionship, too much busyness. He says take time to work on the spirit, to be alone with God in prayer and become nourished with your prayers, with your conversations with God and not just constantly distract yourself by trying to watch too much TV, pick up the phone and call everyone you know. You have to be able to be alone with yourself and with God. Now Judas replies and he says, But we are still on the earth, Master. How can we neglect the flesh and take care only of the spirit? Is what you say not the antithesis of God's commandment you shall not kill? Does the commandment not forbid also suicide? If life is a gift from God, must we love it or not? And Jesus says to him, I will not reply to you as I would reply to a simple-minded man, whom it is sufficient to get to raise his soul or his mind to supernatural spheres, so that we can take him with us flying in spiritual kingdoms. You are not a simple-minded person. You were formed in an environment that refined you, and it also marred you with its quibbles and doctrines. Do you remember Solomon, Judas? He was wise, the wisest man of those times. Do you remember what he said after acquiring all knowledge? He said, Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. To fear God and observe his commandments, that is all that matters to man. Now I tell you that it is necessary to know how to get nourishment, but no poison from food. And if we know that a food is bad for us, because it causes detrimental reactions in us, then we must take no more of that food, even if it is pleasant to our taste. Now here Jesus is not really just talking about food, is he? He's talking about the things that we do for our senses. Maybe certain, maybe someone likes to drink, but drinks too much, or Someone likes to have sexual relations, but too much. Or someone likes to watch uh, others and gossip about them and talk about them too much. This is over-imbibing on the senses rather than releasing what is not good for us in our lives and focusing on our spiritual strength, ourselves strengthening with God's Spirit. So Judas asks Jesus, What must I leave, Master? And Jesus answers, Everything you know that upsets you, because God is peace, and if you want to follow the path of God, you must clear your mind, your heart, and your flesh of everything that is not peace-producing and causes perturbation. I know it is difficult to amend one's way of living, but I am here to help you. I am here to help man to become the Son of God once again, to recreate himself by means of a new creation, of an autogenesis wanted by man himself. But let me reply to your question so that you may not say that you were left in error through a fault of mine. It is true That to kill oneself is the same as killing other people. Both our own and other people's lives are the gift of God. And only God who gives life has the authority to take it. Who kills himself confesses his own pride. And pride is hated by God. So Jesus is directly now talking about suicide. He says that suicide is pride. He confesses his pride, says Judas, I would say his despair. And Jesus says, In what is despair but pride? Just think, Judas, why does one despair? Either because misfortunes persistently perturb him, and he wants to overcome them by himself, but is unable to do so. Or because he is guilty, and he thinks that he cannot be forgiven by God. In both cases, is not pride the basic reason? The man who wants to do all by himself is no longer humble enough to stretch out his hand to the Father and say to him, I am not able, but you are. Help me, because I hope and wait for everything from you. The other man who says, God cannot forgive me, says so because, measuring God by his own standards, he knows that another person could not forgive him if that person had been offended as he offended God. So here again it is pride. A humble man understands and forgives, even if he suffers for the offense received. A proud man does not forgive. He is proud also because he is not capable of lowering his head and saying, Father, I have sinned, forgive your poor guilty son, But do you not know, Judas, that the Father will forgive everything if one asks to be forgiven with a sincere, contrite, humble heart, willing to rise again to new life? Now I'll mention here that Jesus is talking directly to Judas, because as we know, once Judas betrays the Lord Jesus, he commits suicide out of pride. And Jesus is telling him, if you humble yourself and beg the Father for forgiveness, even that, even that deicide, God will forgive. If you have a repentant heart, God will forgive. So imagine, in our lives, the things that we do wrong, if we ask God to forgive us, how willing he is to forgive us if he would be willing to go so far as to forgive Judas for betraying his son and having him crucified. Now our conversations continue. Judas says to the Lord, But certain crimes are not to be forgiven. They cannot be forgiven. And Jesus says, That is what you say, and it will be true only because man wants it to be true. But, oh, I solemnly tell you that even after the crime of crimes, if the guilty man should rush to the father's feet, he is called Father Judas just for that, and he is the father of infinite perfection. And this one crying implores him to be forgiven, offering to expiate without despairing, the Father would make it possible for him to expiate and thus deserve forgiveness and save his soul. So Jesus is clearly telling Judas that even if he were to commit the crime of crimes, if he ran to God the Father, God the Father would forgive him and save his soul. Because God does not want to lose a single soul. He loves us all and wants all of us to rejoin him in heaven. Well then, says Judas, you say that the men quoted by the scriptures who killed themselves did wrong. And Jesus answers, It is not lawful to do violence to anybody, not even to oneself. They did wrong. In their limited knowledge of good, perhaps in certain cases they had mercy from God but after the word has clarified the truth and has given strength to spirits with his spirit then who dies in despair will no longer be forgiven neither in the instant of the personal judgment nor after centuries of Gehenna on doomsday, never. Is that hardness on God's side? No, it is justice God will say, you, a creature gifted with reason And supernatural knowledge created free by me. You decided to follow the path you chose and you said God will not forgive me. I am separated from him forever. I think I must apply the law by myself to my own crime. I am parting from life to evade remorse without considering that you would no longer have felt remorse if you had come on my faithful bosom and let it be done to you as you judged. I will not do violence to the freedom I gave you." That is what the Eternal Father will say to the suicide. Meditate on it, Judas. Life is a gift, a gift to be loved. But what gift is it? A holy gift. So love it holily. Life lasts as long as the flesh holds out. Then the great life, the eternal life, begins a life of blissful happiness for the just, of malediction for the unjust. Is life a purpose or a means? It is a means. It serves for a purpose which is eternity. Then let us give life what is required to make it last and serve the Spirit in its conquest. Consonance of the flesh in all its lusts, in all of them. Continence of the mind in all its desires, in all of them. Continence of the heart in all human passions. Infinite instead is to be the ardor for heavenly passions, love of God and the neighbor, obedience to the divine word, heroism in good and virtue. I have given you the answer, Judas. Are you convinced? Is the explanation sufficient? "'Be always sincere and ask when you do not yet know enough. "'I am here to be your master.' "'And Judas answers, "'I have understood, and it is sufficient, "'but it is very difficult to do what I have understood. "'You can, because you are holy, "'but I am a man, young and full of life.' "'I have come for men, Judas,' says the Lord, "'not for the angels.' They do not need a teacher. They see God. They live in His paradise. They are not unaware of the passions of men, because the intelligence which is their life makes them acquainted with everything, also those who are not guardians of men. But spiritual as they are, they can have but one sin, as one of them had, and He drew to His side those who were weaker in charity, pride, the arrow that disfigured Lucifer, the most beautiful of the archangels, and turned him into the horripilent monster of the abyss. I have not come for the angels, who, after Lucifer's fall, are horrified even at the shadow of a proud thought. But I have come for men, to make angels of men. Man was the perfect creation He had the spirit of the angel and the full beauty of the animal, complete in all its animal and moral parts. There was no creature equal to him. He was the king of the earth, as God is the king of heaven. And one day, when he would have fallen asleep for the last time on the earth, he would have become king with the Father in heaven. Satan tore the wings off the angel man and he replaced them with the claws of a beast, and with intense yearning for filth, and lured him into becoming a being which is better described as a man-demon, rather than simply a man. I want to eradicate the disfigurement worked by Satan, as well as the corrupted craving of the contaminated flesh. I want to give back to man his wings, and make him once again king and co of the Father and of the celestial kingdom. I know that man, if he is willing, can do what I say, to become once again king and angel. I would not tell you things you could not do. I am not one of the rhetors who preach impossible doctrines. I have real flesh, so that through the experience of the flesh I might learn which are the temptations of man. So here Jesus is saying that man was the perfect creation by God but Satan brought him down into the realm of beasts and that Jesus himself took the form of flesh to experience what temptations of man might be like although he himself has never sinned. But he wants to make it clear that he is the example. If Jesus can live as a man on the earth and not sin, but remain virtuous, then so can we. And Judas says to the Lord, And what about sins? And Jesus says, Everyone can be tempted. Sinners are only those who want to be such. So Jesus is saying, When you sin, it's because you choose to sin. You want to sin. Anyone can be tempted but not everyone says yes to the temptation. Have you ever sinned, Jesus? asks Judas. No, says the Lord. I never wanted to sin, not because I am the Son of the Father, but because I wanted and I want to prove to man that the Son of Man did not sin because he did not want to sin, and that man can, if he wants, not sin. So Jesus here is saying once again that he lives the example that he's preaching. And Judas says, Have you ever been tempted? And the Lord answers, I am 30 years old, Judas, and I did not live in a cave upon a mountain. I lived amongst men. And if I had been in the loneliest place in the world, do you think temptations would not have come to me? Now don't forget when Jesus was 40 days in the desert. The devil came to him and tempted him. Remember? He tempted him with water. He tempted him with food. He tempted him with woman. He tempted him with power and glory. And Jesus drove him away and said, I am the son of God. I will never, never choose to belong to Satan, to choose sin. Okay? So Jesus says, I'll repeat, And if I had been in the loneliest place in the world, do you think temptations would not have come to me? We have everything in us, good and evil. We carry everything with us, and the breath of God blows on the good and vivifies it like a thurible of sweet smelling holy incense. And Satan blows on evil, thus kindling a furious blazing fire. But diligent goodwill and constant prayer are like damp sand on the hellish fire. They suffocate it and put it out. Now just to clarify here that when the Lord says we have everything in us, good and evil, he's not talking about himself. He himself is of God and of God there is only good, there is no evil. He's referring to mankind He's saying mankind has everything in it, both good and evil, and we can choose the path we want to follow. And when we choose the path of good, we have the constant support of God through all our obstacles and challenges. But when we choose the path of evil, we become the slaves of Satan, and we live lives of sin and lives of no hope for future glory in the kingdom of heaven which is exactly what the devil wants he wants your soul he wants to take as many souls away from God and populate hell with them so guard your soul choose good do not choose evil you always have the choice and if you chose badly yesterday choose well today get back on that path that path to God now we continue and Judas says but if you have never sinned, how can you judge sinners? And the Lord answers, I am a man and the Son of God. What I might ignore as a man and judge wrongly, I know and judge as the Son of God. After all, Judas answer this question of mine, Will one who is hungry suffer more by saying, I will now sit down at the table, or by saying, There is no food for me? And Judas says, He suffers more in the latter case because the simple thought that he is without food will bring back to him the pleasant smell of food and his bowels will be tortured by biting desire. And Jesus says, Right. Temptation is as biting as that desire, Judas. Satan makes it more intense, more real, more alluring than any accomplished act. Further, the act satisfies and at times nauseates, whereas temptations do not subside, but like to prune trees, they grow stronger and stronger. And Judas asks, And have you never yielded? And Jesus answers, No, never. Judas says, How did you manage? And the Lord says, I said, Father, lead me not into temptation. What? says Judas, You, the Messiah, you work miracles, and you ask your Father for help? And the Lord says, Not only for help, I ask him not to lead me into temptation. Do you think that I, simply because I am I, can do without the Father? Oh no, I solemnly tell you that the Father grants everything to his Son, and that the Son receives everything from the Father. And I tell you that everything the Father will be asked for in my name will be granted. Now they've come to a place where Jesus wants to part with Judas. And he says to Judas, Goodbye, peace be with you. But Judas stops him and he says, I would like to tell you another thing. I would like to ask you, Why do you live in such a humble place? You know, people notice so many things. Do you not know anyone in town with a beautiful house? If you wish, I can take you to some friends. They will give you hospitality because of my friendly attitude towards them, and the house would be more worthy of you. And Jesus answers, Do you think so? I do not. All classes of people are worthy or unworthy, and without lacking in charity, but to avoid offending justice, I tell you that the unworthy... The mischievously unworthy are often to be found amongst the great ones. It is not necessary and it is of no use being influential to be good or to hide sins from the eyes of God. Everything will be turned over under my sign, and not who is mighty will be great, but who is humble and holy. But to be respected, says Judas, to impose oneself... And Jesus says, Is Herod respected? Is Caesar respected? No, they are endured and cursed both by lips and by heart. And believe me, Judas, on good people or simply on people of good will, it will be easier for me to impose myself with modesty rather than with majesty. And Judas says, But will you always despise the mighty ones? You will make enemies of them. I was thinking of speaking of you to many people I know and who are influential. And Jesus says, I will not despise anybody. I will meet the poor as well as the rich, slaves as well as kings, pure people as well as sinners. But if I have to be grateful to those who supply me with bread and a roof that I may carry on my work, whatever the roof and the bread may be, I will always give my preference to the humble. The great ones already have so many joys. The poor have but their honest conscience, a faithful love, children, and the joy of being listened to by those who are above them. I will always be bent over the poor, the afflicted, and the sinners. I thank you for your good intention, but leave me to this place of peace and prayer. Go. And may God inspire you with what is good. So we see here the great difference in the personality of Judas uh, from Jesus and also from his other apostles. His other apostles do not quibble. They do not try to teach Jesus. They do not try to influence people for Jesus. They are not concerned with uh, look, status, uh, where the Lord is sleeping and resting. They are humble, they serve, they obey, their minds are clear, they're thinking only of learning about the Lord and learning about God and His His wisdom, His desires for us. And they don't try to lead Him. But Judas has his own agenda. He wants to lead Jesus. He wants to influence people for Jesus. He's always concerned about how he looks and where he stays and how he speaks and whether or not he offends the scribes, the Pharisees, the Levites, the priests in the temple. He is argumentative. And when Jesus is speaking and giving a lesson, he argues and quibbles and says, Oh, but I know better. Oh, are you sure you mean that? Oh, what are you talking about? So he has a long way to go to be able to understand the Lord. And part of it is because he grew up in the temple surrounded by the authorities and the way they see religion, the way they see the uh, coming Messiah, and he didn't grow up humble and open in his mind to who the Messiah really is, no matter how many times the Lord tries to explain to him that he didn't come as a conquering hero He came as the Savior of souls. Judas doesn't understand. And we also see that we choose sin or we choose virtue. It is our choice. And if we choose sin and we become despairing of our lives, we must not let pride interfere. We must become humble and ask God to help us Help us, forgive us, teach us, bring us out of our feelings of despair. And that God says, Jesus says, do not commit suicide. It is the one thing that the Holy Spirit will not forgive. Because in that case, we are acting like God. We are deciding that God is not capable of forgiving. Our pride is too great. And we are not obedient and humble and virtuous to God so be very careful in the choices that you make be very careful on the path you choose to follow keep clear of everything that can offend you anything that can upset you take you further away from God it can be gossip it can be perverted sexual uh, imagery pornography Uh, It could be drink, drugs, theft, petty theft. There's so many things that people do and excuse themselves for doing. And then they find themselves further and further away from a virtuous life. Bring yourself back, step by step. Admit your sin. Talk to God. Expiate. Do good. Come back. Come back. You can always come back. Reach out Spend time in prayer. Spend time with God. Let Him fill you. Let Him teach you. Let Him correct you. Me too. I do the same thing. I spend time with God. And it helps us all to keep on the path. Life is an obstacle course. Life is an obstacle course. All right? But the end game, the end goal is to reach God and to reach heaven. So. I thank you all very much for joining me for today's lesson. I pray for you and I ask God to bless you. Go with God.